Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I'm Ray and I'm ranting. Well, not so much ranting today. This one, what's this one all about? To be honest, I'm not sure. It's about kids in the 50s and 60s and animals, pets. Now, back then, everyone had pets. I I don't know whether they do these days. I don't think so. Not the way we did then. For example, most of the kids at school, they had rabbits, which was nice. Nice for the kids, but sad for the rabbits because they were locked up in a hutch, basically a small wooden hutch. The type of hutch they they still sell today, which frankly I don't think they should because they're so small. You imagine a rabbit trapped in this hutch and they were in this hutch 24 hours a day very often. 24 hours a day, imagine that. In a small hutch, they'd get fed in the mornings and for the rest of the day they're just stuck there whether it's hot or cold, or you know, summer, winter, whatever. Rabbits sometimes, you know, I have known them to freeze to death in the winter because they just haven't got the, the warmth, the protection they need from the cold. And in the summer, they, they lay there panting, they're too hot. And of course, if it's down to the children to feed them, well, sometimes, oh, I'm late for school, I'll feed the rabbit later when I get home. You know, it's not, it wasn't good, to be honest. But I do think it was good for kids to have pets because I think it helped them to learn about, obviously learn about animals, and if they had parents that taught them properly, learn how to look after animals properly, how to, you know, animals should be respected, and just basically how to treat them properly. So that's kind of what this podcast is about. Well, no, it's not about rabbits. <laughs> it's not just about pets. It's about, I think, yes, the whole concept of children and animals uh, there's a joke, isn't I don't know whether it's a joke, actually. I heard years ago, apparently a bunch of school children were asked where things like bacon comes from, and they said Sainsbury's. Uh, or for those listening outside the UK, Sainsbury's is a very large supermarket in the UK. And you know, where's chicken come from? Well, Sainsbury's. Do kids these days... I, actually, I must ask uh, some of the... One or two of our grandchildren. Do they know where butter comes from? Do they know where cheese comes from? Do they teach that at school? I remember at school being taught all that in the 50s. You know, you get a a churn, a butter churn, and you pour the cream in from the milk and you stand there for about three years turning it. And if you're lucky, you've got a lump of butter at the end of the day. Same with how to make cheese. We did all that sort of thing. I don't know whether they do that now. I'm not sure. I was talking to someone the other day about tortoises. We got a couple of tortoises, uh, an African leopard, he doesn't hibernate. He has to be kept warm all year round. And we've got a Hermans, uh, our little Hermans, a little man we call him. He does hibernate. He's just come out of hibernation, actually. So I'm in the middle of just redoing his home and his, his run in the warmth. So we were chatting about, what could you hear that noise outside? Do you know, I think people wait. They think, oh, has he started his podcast episode? Yes, he has. Right. There's one with a pressure washer out there. There's another chap with a circular saw cutting up some chipboard. Uh, I mean, last week we had the dustman. <laughs> I think what I'll have to do is do these recordings in the dead of the night, say two in the morning. That's probably the best time. So we were talking about tortoises. And back in those days, it seemed that every child had a tortoise. And you'd find them wandering across the road. Uh, we found many tortoises, you know, during my childhood, uh, myself, brothers, sisters, we're always finding tortoises. 
Uh, we found, I remember we found one walking across the road. So we took it in, made a, a run for it. And we asked all the neighbours, anyone lost a tortoise? No, no, no. So we hung on to it. We just kept it and looked after it. And we found another one. And again, we asked all the neighbours, anyone lost a tortoise? No. <laughs> I think perhaps some parents probably thought, well, actually, we have lost a tortoise. But if it's gone to a good home, let's leave it that way. I don't know. That's a thought, isn't it? So we had two tortoises. We called we called the man and lady. I don't know what uh, what sex they were, but we called the man and lady anyway. Of course, we didn't know how to look after them. No one did back then. For example, things like tomatoes and uh, uh, wet salad stuff is not good for them. It's all right giving them a tomato as a treat or a grape as a treat, but they need proper fibre in their diet. They need the dried grasses and things like that that they would find in their natural habitat. I mean, our leopard tortoise, he comes from the savannas down in South Africa. He would eat down there dried grass and all sorts of things. You know, he wouldn't have lettuce. Uh, he likes, our one likes cucumber. It's all right to give a little bit now and then. But of course, when we were kids, that's all we gave them. You know, cucumber, tomato, lettuce, that, that was their diet. So it was totally wrong for them. I think that's why a lot of them didn't live that long. And a lot of them didn't survive hibernation either because they, people didn't know how to do it. Oh, chuck them in a box full of straw and put it in the shed. Of course, in the shed, it gets too, too cold, freezing cold, below zero, and they just die. I don't think these days you can buy it. We've had our tortoises for years, but you can't just go and buy a tortoise. Going back to our rabbits, uh, someone said to me, oh, you shouldn't have rabbits as pets. It's not fair on the rabbits. They're not pets. Ours are rescue rabbits. We get them from the RSPCA. We've had several over the years. We've got two at the moment. They've got a 14-foot brick-built hutch that I made for them. A huge outside run. In the winter, there's underfloor heating in one section of the hutch. So if it goes below two degrees, this heating will come on. Not too hot, but just a little bit of warmth for them, which they like. So we've done it properly. You know, when the RSPCA allow us to have these rabbits, uh, they're free. You can go and get them free, but they will vet you first and uh, you have to donate something. Uh, so, you know, we did give them, we gave them quite a bit of money, actually. And they pop round and they check the hutch and all the, you know, the environment and how you're looking after them. So we've had, we've had quite a few rabbits over the years. Uh, there was one, our last one, who we've got now, We've got, uh, we've got two. We've got Hetty and Woody. Woody was dumped in the woods. That's why he's called Woody. Someone didn't want him anymore. They just dumped him in the woods. Well, you can't do that. He would have died. Luckily, someone found him, took him to the RSPCA. When we went to the RSPCA, we saw him on their website and we went along and we had a chat with them. We'd already had rabbits from them. And apparently, uh, this, this person was telling us at the RSPCA uh, a lady had tried to bond him with another rabbit and it didn't work. Now, we got pretty good at bonding. Uh, it took us three months, but we introduced the rabbits to each other, you know, a, a good distance apart. And you could see they didn't like it. They didn't like the look of each other. And it, over three months, we got them closer and closer. In the end, we put them together and they've been the best of friends ever since. So that's good news. I don't know why I'm rambling on about that. No, it is. It's good news, isn't it? So they're rescue rabbits. We don't have them as pets. Mind you, they do say that having animals is really psychologically beneficial, don't they? You can, we, we sit there in the summer, we watch them. 
out in their huge run. You know, they're eating the grass and they're poking around. They dig holes, of course, because that's what they do, isn't it? They dig holes <laughs> in the lawn. But it can be therapeutic. Also, I've heard that people will take a dog to an old people's home and the dog will go around, everyone pats the dog. They all love it. The old people love it. I think animals are therapeutic in many ways. But of course, you've got to look after them properly. Someone was saying to me recently about the podcast episodes, oh, you, you shouldn't, well, several people have said this, oh, you shouldn't keep going back to the past. You know, yesterday's dead and gone and it doesn't do any good. I, well, I pointed out that we all make mistakes. And I think looking back at history, not history of your town or history of the world, but your own personal history, you can look back to when you were a child, teens, early 20s, and you can look back and all right, learn from your mistakes, which we, we all can do, but also learn from the things that you did that weren't mistakes. You can look back and think, well, I'm glad I did that all those decades ago. That was really good. That was a good move. And you can learn from that, apart from learning from your mistakes. So I think looking back to your childhood, I think it's a good idea. You can learn from your own personal history. As I've said in previous podcast episodes, as a child, I was always over the woods looking in the pond, sticklebacks, frogs, water boatmen, uh, newts, tadpoles, toads, you know, all the pond life. You know, we were all well into it. I remember taking a newt home in a jam jar. Not a good idea for the newt. And my mother made me take it back and put him in the pond, which I did. But we learnt about all these things then. And I don't know. I don't know that children do that these days, do they? Perhaps they do. Perhaps you will enlighten me. Apart from pets, some of our neighbours, well, over the road, they had bantams for their eggs. Bantams, they're sort of like chickens, aren't they? But they're not. <laughs> well, they are or they're not. They're, they're bantams. And someone down the road, a friend of mine, his dad or parents, they had chickens and they had fresh eggs, which was nice. I was there one day in their back garden. I must have been about 10 years old. And his dad came down. It was, a, you know, I remember it was a lovely summer day. This is stuck in my mind, this, as it always will do. His dad came down to the garden. He walked into the chicken run, coop, whatever you call it. And he picked one up and wrung its neck. And I just stood, I'm staring at this. I'm, good grief. What, what's that all about? And it really did. I was quite shaken. I, I suppose being at 10 years old, I didn't know that they, you know, they just went. I thought their chickens were for eggs. And uh, as he walked back to the, towards the house, he said, that's Sunday lunch. Oh dear, Sunday lunch. Oh, now that really did, that stayed in my mind, that, the picture of him doing that. Uh, all these decades later, I still vividly remember that day. It was awful. But of course, that's all part of it, isn't it? I think this is where perhaps children, or perhaps a lot of people don't only know about it. They don't think about it. They don't like to think about it, do they? You know, where does your, your steak come from? And uh, where's your chicken come from? Uh, your Sunday dinner chicken and whatever. It all has to get killed, doesn't it? There we are, the more strange noise. Do I have so many strange noises? Do you find that? With all your uh, devices, we've just uh, we've just bought a, what is it? A, I say we, it's actually my wife's. Um, a, a Microsoft Surface Pro. And now we've got that added to all the other noises. iPads, iPhones. There's my PC. Oh, there's so much stuff. And then other things around the house that go beep. 
And I don't know what they're all doing. It's so confusing. Mind you, I am easily confused. That's just reminded me, actually. All modern stuff, you know, all this beeping and we've got iPads, Surface Pro, we've got PCs, phones, all this modern stuff, the internet, Alexa, all these things. Back in, let's say... Uh, these things that I've done by the killers on Amazon users. Shush, Alexa, be quiet. You see, I'm being spoken to now. I wasn't even speaking to her and she's talking to me. Anyway, where was it? You see, look, I've got thrown now, thrown off my track. What was I going to say? Back in, let's say it's 1880, okay, 1880. I often look back, I don't anymore, but I used to look back and think it must have been awful for the men. They've got no TV, they've got no phone, no internet, no radio even, nothing. What have they got? Barely electricity, have they? Most, well, the homes didn't have electricity. It must have been awful for them, having to do all the washing by hand and, I don't know, it, just the whole thing about 1880, <laughs> it must have been dreadful. But if you were actually there in 1880, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think, oh, can't wait till cars come along. I'm fed up with these horse and carts. You'd be looking out of your window and you'd think, look at that. Look at that beautiful horse and carriage. That's the latest model. Oh, that's the latest model with that improved suspension system. And it would be all cutting-edge, well, not cutting-edge technology. Well, it would, wouldn't it, really? You know, you think about it, you'd see the latest carriage going past with the horses, clip-clop, clip-clop, and you might say to your friend, you'd be standing outside the pub having a few ales. <laughs> and, you know, you'd say, oh, look, that's that new suspension on that model. Wish I could afford that. So you don't miss what you haven't had. If I was put back there now into 1880, I would find it dreadful because all the mod cons that I'm used to now would have gone. But of course, when you grow up in that era, it's all modern day stuff, isn't it? Modern day technology. Anyway, they were going back to, I wonder whether they had goldfish back then. Did they have pets back then? I know they had goats and chickens and things around the place. <laughs> Did they have pets back then, I wonder? Like a goldfish in a bowl. Back into uh, my time, into our time, in the 50s, a lot of kids had, uh, as I said, tortoises and rabbits and all sorts of things. It also seemed that all children had a goldfish in a bowl, didn't they? You feed the fish before you go to school. Have you fed the fish? I don't know how, that wasn't really fair on the fish, was it? And I would have thought pretty boring for the kids because if it's in a, a globe, a little globe type bowl, what does it do all day? It just swims around. It can't do anything. It's uh, not really fair on the fish. Of course, cats and dogs are different things altogether, aren't they? You know, they are part of the family. I don't think you could call a goldfish part of the family. Could you? Well, I suppose so. I suppose it could be loved as a member of the family. Why not? But then people have these other sort of reptiles, don't they? Snakes and uh, what are they? Komodo dragons or something. My son had one of those. All these other things. But they do need a lot of looking after. And they can be expensive as well to keep. So I think that, yeah, I think it's a good thing to look back to your childhood. Because, uh, as I say, we've now got tortoises. And my childhood experience of owning tortoises back then has now made me think, well, if we're going to have tortoises, let's do it properly. Let's find out what their proper diet should be, what temperature they should be kept at. Let's do it properly. Let's investigate and find out what is best for the tortoise rather than 
just stick him in a box somewhere. Same with the rabbits and their huge run they've got and they have a proper diet. A lady I was talking to the other day said how lucky she is to have her dog during lockdown. She's got no family apparently, no relations. She's just on her own in her house and her dog is, well that is for her, it's a member of the family. Her and her dog, they are the family. And she was saying that without him, she would be terribly lonely. Uh, and, and she said she talks to the dog. Well, why not? People talk to plants, don't they? Did Prince Charles start that? Or no, he didn't start it, did he? But he talks to plants, or used to. They reckon now that scientists, you know, they look into these things, don't they? In the old days, oh, you talk to plants, oh, well, you're balmy. You're a balm pot. That's a funny expression, isn't it? Balm pot. But the scientists have discovered now that plants do pick up vibrations. So if you talk to your daffodils popping up in the spring, hello, how are you? Lovely to see you again this year. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? You're on your knees out in your front garden saying, oh, it's lovely to see you again this year. And you're chatting away to these daffodils and a neighbour walks past. Morning, everything all right? Uh, yes, fine, just having a chat with my friend. <laughs> Dear. No, but uh, seriously, they do reckon that they can feel vibrations and they know whether they're good or bad vibrations these plants so they know if you're angry if you're saying what's the matter with you why don't you hurry up and grow if you don't hurry up and grow i'll stick a spade through you <laughs> they probably i don't know there we are it's, it's interesting though isn't it people talk to animals but i suppose that's different isn't it really talking to animals plants don't have ears apparently our tortoises don't have ears and i have you, know, you clap your hands and they can't hear they don't look round or anything. They feel vibration. Uh, you know, if you stomp on the floor, they'll know that you're around. But they can't hear. They're deaf. Well, they're not deaf. They haven't got ears. It's very easy, of course, to say, oh, well, when I was a boy, when I was a girl, I'd go over the woods. I'd go over to the local farm. Of course, they don't have local woods and local farms anymore. They've all gone. It's uh, it's all concrete now, isn't it? So you can't really blame the kids. You can't say, well, why are you sitting in front of the, the TV or a screen? You know, why aren't you out over the woods? There aren't any woods. But the thing is, with the UK, well, with many places around the world, you know, we are a relatively small island and the population's growing all the time, isn't it? You know, people keep breeding. <laughs> I said that to my mother the other day. I said, people should stop breeding so much. And she said, you can't. You can't say that. You can't say people breed. Well, what do they do then? Well, they procreate, do they? Anyway, you've got to build more and more houses because there's more and more, you know, the population is expanding all the time. I suppose it always has been, isn't it? It's inevitable. That's another device making a noise. I think that's my iPad or iPhone or iSomething. I think that's an email arrived. So, yes, take the UK, as I was saying, very small island. We've got to keep building houses and more roads and more infrastructure for the increased you know, number of people. And, of course, the countryside disappears, which is a shame. That having said that, there's a lot of countryside still around. But what's going to happen in the future? It's only as I've got older that I've thought of all this sort of thing. Because kids think totally differently, don't they? They don't think, oh, you know, we better not build here. When we get older, we better not build here because this is woodland and the environment. Mind you, they, they are trying to make children more aware now, aren't they, of the environment. I don't know whether the children listen or take it in, but, uh, you know, it is their future, of course. But it does seem a shame that all, or take my hometown, 
we were surrounded by woodland, fields, farmland, open spaces. And now, when I think back to my childhood, or when I drive around, it's gone. You know, this housing estate was a field. I've gone on about this before, haven't I? You'll probably say, oh, come on, move on. You've done all this before, about a hundred times. Well, it's just something that I think of, not every day, but whenever I watch something like David Attenborough on the TV or some other nature-type programme, I just think, yeah, we had all the woods around here and it's all gone. It's a shame. They do say about, I've mentioned this before, I know, going for a walk in the woods. Well, that's all very well during lockdown because you've got to drive there. And they say, well, don't drive there. There aren't any woods within walking distance. Well, not from where I live anyway. So, I don't know, you have no choice but to drive. Talking of woods, I remember when I was a kid, I found a piano that someone had dumped in the woods. There was fly tipping, you know, back then. There was quite a lot of fly tipping, I remember, finding all sorts of rubbish that people had dumped in the woods. So that's nothing new. I mean, that was a shame, people just dumping stuff in the woods like that. But talking of pianos, back then in the 50s especially and 60s, pianos were, were free. It seemed that every household had, they had a piano. And we got our first piano when I was a kid. We got that free from someone down the road. Anyone want a piano? Oh, yeah, we'll have it. So, you know, the men would lug it round, <laughs> wheel it down the pavement. And, you know, you've got yourself a piano. So many pianos were broken up. It really was a shame. So many of them were just smashed up and burnt. My granddaughter's learning to play the piano. Do you know, she is the only one I know, uh, and not only the family, but friends, relations. She's, well, relations are family, aren't they? <laughs> she's, anyway, you know what I mean. She's the only one I know that's learning to play the piano. No doubt other children are as well, but it's lovely to see someone actually learning to play the piano. Back in my day, when I was a boy, we didn't sort of have piano. Well, the, the people with money did. The people that were well off, they would have their kids uh, you know, taught the piano, have the piano lessons. But the average child didn't learn the piano. Although a lot of people had a piano at home, they would mess about on it. And I suppose some kids messing around on a piano would realise, or their parents would realise, oh, hang on, they've got a talent for this. So perhaps take it a bit, a bit further. I've just made myself some coffee. But it was a shame, though, to see all these pianos smashed up. I and mean, people were just smashed up. Oh, bonfire night's coming. Oh, good, we can get rid of the piano at last. What a shame. I mentioned that we're trying to make children uh, aware, you know, of the environment and stuff like that. But I think equally they're trying to make us aware, aren't they? You know, youngsters are becoming more aware because it's their future. So they're making us aware of the environment and the rest of it as well which is a good thing. It can only be a good thing, can't it? Someone said the other day, what do you miss most of all about the the old days, your childhood days? Well, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Because it was a different world. But one thing I do miss, <laughs> this sounds daft, the post office. In the centre of our town, we had a big main post office with a huge long counter with at least, what, eight positions, maybe more. So there was always a position free even though it may have been very busy in there. And the thing is, the reason I mention this, nothing's, well, not really to do with the lack of post offices these days, but uh, we need, both my wife and I, need our passport photos redone and our driving licence ones. I think my driving licence 
it's funny, the driving licence is still valid, but the photograph ran out or something. I don't know. I've expired. <laughs> well, I haven't. My photograph has expired. So a little while ago, we went into a post office and, you know, we queued up outside the two metre distance and all that. We queued up eventually our turn. Hello, we'd like some photos. Oh, the machine doesn't work. Oh, OK. Right, that was a waste of time. So we couldn't do it that day. But another day, we went to another post office. Hello, we, come, you know, we did the queuing up. <laughs> Hello, we come for the photographs. Does the machine work? I said that to him. He looked at me a bit. <laughs> he thought I was being rude. He said, yes, the machine works, but I don't know how to use it. You'll have to come back when my boss is here. Oh, OK, right, fine. A couple of days after that, we went back to the original post office. Queued up, did all the business. Does your machine work yet? Yes, it does. But the chap that knows how to operate it isn't here. Oh, goodness. Good grief. Stone the crows. <laughs> so we still haven't got photos. I had a brilliant idea. I thought, I know. I will phone around the few post offices that we have left. Most of them have gone. I'll phone around. Have you got a photo machine? If so, does it work? And if it does work, do you know how to use it? And if you do know how to use it, can we pop along now? Major problem. None of the post offices list their phone numbers. I suppose they don't want people phoning them. So what we've got to do now is traipse around each post office in turn, which isn't much of a problem because there's hardly any left, and hope that uh, we can get all the criteria together. They've got a machine and it works and someone knows how to use it. But what a palaver. I think it would be easier to give up driving, forget the driving licence. As for the passport, we don't plan to go abroad again, ever, to be honest. We're quite happy holidaying in this country when we're allowed to. But just, it's a good form of identity, isn't it? A passport. They often say, oh, have you got a passport? You know, if you're trying to show, prove who you are or whatever, show who you are. And also, if there was an emergency, because we do have relations abroad, if there was an emergency and we did have to go somewhere, then you know, we've got the passport up to date. So it's probably worth doing. It's just a little bit of a... <laughs> it's a little bit of a palaver trying to get there. We'll get there in the end. You used to be able to pop into any ordinary photograph booth, you know, in Woolworths or where... Of course, Woolworths have gone and they probably taken their machine with them. But you could pop into any shop. And you know, put your money in the slot and it would take four photographs. Three of them would be absolute rubbish. One wouldn't be too bad. And that's good enough for your passport. But these days it's all got to be... I think they have a code. I think the machine kind of encodes the photograph somehow to say this is definitely the person that you're looking at. <laughs> the person in the photo is actually the person in the photo. Or something like that. I don't know, it's confusing. But there we are. It's... Uh, it's all part of modern technology, I suppose. I forget what it was, but there was something we were trying to do online. Maybe this was a few years ago, and you could take your own photograph. Perhaps it was the passport. I don't know. They might have changed it all now. So what we did, we put a backdrop in the garden, like a, a white sheet. I think it said have a white background. Don't smile. You're not allowed to smile or snigger or make funny faces. And we took photo after photo after photo. I set it all up properly with a tripod and each one we put in online, you know, how's this one? No, nope, not good enough. Okay, took another photo, put that into the thing online. No, that's no good. The background's no good. What it was, uh, the hair colour, this was my mother-in-law we were trying to do this for, or one of the things. 
her hair is white, silvery white. So against a white background, you couldn't see her hair. And the, I don't know what it was, the, the thing didn't like it. The machinery, the computerised machinery didn't like it. And it kept throwing them out. So we tried changing the lighting. No, too dark, threw it out. No, that one's too bright. In the end, we gave up. We just gave up. We tried to do our own, apart from mother-in-law, we did our own photos. Absolutely hopeless. I, I can understand that, especially on a passport, if you're going to have, you know, you don't want to find someone to forge it. I mean, otherwise anyone could take a photo of anyone and stick it on any old passport. So obviously it's got to be validated somehow. But there must be an easier way than having to queue up at a post office just to find the blasted machine doesn't work. Or if it does, the chap doesn't know how to work it. Here we go, we've got the dustman outside again. That's a week gone by already because we had the dustman last week, didn't we? I don't know, they, they changed their days. I don't know why the days, I can never keep up with it. What I do is look out of the window. Wife does this as well. Is it dustbin day? I mean, they do send you a chart to the council, which you've got on the wall, but I can't work that out. And what I do is look out, ah, people have put out the grey bin, so I put our grey bin out, or just the blue bin, or both. So I, I think what happens is everyone copies everyone else around here, and if one person gets it wrong, then you've got a dozen or more people that have got it all wrong, and they don't get their dustbin emptied because they put the wrong one out. Or it's out there all night and everything because it's the wrong day. It's quite funny, actually. Just seen a huge seagull land on... Listen to that. What are they doing out there? Yeah, seagull landed on the dust cart. It's moved off up the road now, the, the dustbin man. But that reminded me. Kids, did we put out food for the birds? I think we put out bread. If there's any bread crusts left over or whatever. I don't know what they're doing in the street. They're crashing around. What was that? I think they've driven through someone's house. Oh, dear me. I don't remember as a kid all these bird feeders. You know, in the gardens, these are. Oh, we've got them. We've got uh, several of these wire things with fat balls in. That's I'll exp No, you know what fat balls are. <laughs> and we've got several fat slabs. This sounds rude, doesn't it? But these wire things where you put the fat balls in or the slabs or whatever, or peanuts and seeds and stuff. We've got all this stuff in the garden. Did we do that back in the 50s and 60s? Now, people of my age listening, you'll remember, won't you? I can't. I can't remember. I don't think we did. Hang on. I think some people had bird tables, didn't they, where they put the bread. And I remember them hanging bacon rind. That's what they did. I think my mother did that. Hang bacon rind on sort of hooks or nails on the bird table. So yes, we did feed them, but there wasn't all the all the paraphernalia you can buy these days. I mean, you go into a, a supermarket or a, well, a pet shop, especially, or you know, garden centre. Mind you, they're not garden centres anymore, are they? They're, they're more like supermarkets. But in a garden centre, there are rows and rows of wild bird food, and they, they do hedgehog food, which we do put down, actually. They do all this food, all this stuff, for wild animals, which is great, but it's a new thing and, and it's expensive. A lot of it, you've got to be careful, it's expensive. We put out uh, monkey nuts, you know, for the squirrels. Now, if we buy them from a supermarket, they're quite expensive. What I've been doing, I've gone to a wholesaler in the UK. They import them from China. I don't know why China should uh, be growing all these peanuts, these monkey nuts. But anyway, 
it's a, a fraction of the price of the supermarket. Well, I mean, it would be. I have to spend, what is it, 50-something pounds uh, you know, in, in money, not weight. And I get these huge sacks, two big sacks turn up of peanuts. Trouble is, is where do you store them? Now, our house, being 100 years old, almost, we're only a couple of years off that, it's pretty old. So under the stairs, you know, there's holes in the floorboards and stuff like that. We put the peanut sacks in there. And one morning, <laughs> uh, we went to top up our plastic container that we use to dispense from, open down the stairs cupboard, and there's a hole been eaten in the side of the one of the sacks. And there's peanut shells. Someone has been in there eating peanuts. And what I did, we got a, a humane trap. Do you know I caught, what was it, 17 mice. 17 it was. They must have been living under the floor. Now, I don't think it was the same mouse, because what I did every morning, I took him down the alleyway by the side of the house, right the way along the alleyway, behind all the houses, and dropped him over a wall into a, a bit of wasteland. So I don't think it was the same mouse. Someone said I should have sprayed him with a bit of car paint, a bit of yellow or red or something. I mean, that, you can't do that, it's cruel. But you know, perhaps mark each mouse that I put over the wall into the wasteland. But uh, I don't know, after 17, we didn't have any more. So it was either that one mouse got fed up with coming back and being put over the wall, coming back, put over the wall, in the end gave up and went to someone else's house or I did actually get rid of 17 but the thing is is we can't keep these sacks in the shed either we've got a good shed it's all waterproof and insulated but mice get in there they get in anywhere don't they someone did say that a mouse could get in through a hole which is only the sort of diameter of a, a pen a barrow I don't know whether that's true but they do seem to be able to get in everywhere we don't buy the big sacks anymore but I don't think people did all this. They had bird baths. I remember they had bird baths. I remember topping that up for the birds and breaking the ice in the winter. So that's good. But they didn't feed, you know, the squirrels, the, the hedgehogs and, oh, frogs. Yeah, I told you about the frog spawn. That's still there. That's still there. It's coming on nicely. Well, I assumed it. I looked at it. There's dots, black dots in each sort of bubble, isn't there? Each globule, there's a black dot. And I can't see any tails yet for tadpoles. I've covered it up with wire netting. Otherwise, the magpies, seagulls, pigeons, rooks. What else have we got? We've got, uh, we got a robin and a few little sparrows, but they'd eat it. The seagulls especially, they just hook the whole lot out. Apparently, the is it the magpies, or, or all of them, probably all the birds, would eat the little frogs. So I've got to keep that wire netting over it. Not the poor little thing is eaten. Got to sink the ship before it sails. Of course, in the old days, people didn't need to feed the birds the way they need to now because <laughs> we had countryside, we had woodland and fields and meadows and verges beside the road that were all wild flowers and things for the bees and the insects. Here we go again, when I was a boy. But it's true, isn't it? It's not just that we can't go for a walk in the woods anymore because they built houses all over the woods. The animals can't go there anymore. The insects can't go there. Do you remember I said, was it last week or the week before, I'd love to come back in a million years' time. You know, not a hundred or two years, a million years' time, and have a look. And I said, I reckon Mother Nature would have taken the whole lot back. We won't be here. We'll probably be living on Mars or something. And the whole planet will be forest. 
like all rainforests and wild animals. Fantastic. And someone uh, emailed me, who was it? Uh, Dave, Dave, hello. Dave emailed me and he said, the earth will be all brown and black and barren because we would have nuked the whole lot. <laughs> well, I hope not. Uh, but I, that's a possibility, isn't it? Imagine that. No, well, you can't imagine it, can you? That's the thing. You can't imagine it. Seeing as this has turned into a sort of nature episode, a nature programme. Do you remember at school, that just reminded me, we'd have a nature table. Do they do that these days? Actually, I think they do. I remember our grandchildren at primary school, they had uh, a nature table. And what you do at the weekends, you go out to the woods, if you can find any woods, if you're allowed to go out and you've got any woods to go to. No, I'm being sarcastic now. Well, actually, no, it's true. You would collect things like acorns and other bits and pieces, pine cones, whatever, anything interesting to do with nature. You might find a bit of sheep's wool on a barbed wire fence. So you collect it all and then take it into school and put it on the nature table. That was quite good fun. I mean, that taught us a lot back in those days, especially if kids brought in things like sheep's wool. Uh, you know, the teacher, the teacher would then explain how you wash the wool and you, you spin it, you comb it and you do this and that and you end up knitting it, or your granny does, into a woolly jumper or a woolly hat for the winter. <laughs> but no, that was good. So then, I mean, I, t- I tell you what, this would be interesting. Ask someone, ask a child, where do woolly jumpers or hats come from? They'll probably say the shops. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I wonder whether they know that wool comes from sheep. Or am I being unfairly... Uh, yes, I'm being unfair to the kids, am I? On one of our Isle of Wight holidays, we took the grandchildren. They're too old to go now. They don't want to be with Grandma and Grandad. We're boring now. <laughs> we went to the Isle of Wight and we went to, was it Tapnell's Farm? Tapnell's Farm. Brilliant place. If you're on the island and you've got kids, take them to Tapnell's Farm. And this chap there, he said, right, he held up a blue egg. And he said, where's this egg come from? And oh, my little granddaughter, bless her, she said, put her hand up and she said, a cow. Oh dear. And her younger sister, a lot younger than her, then shouted out, a duck. So she got it right. But she thought the egg had come from a cow. Oh dear, of course everyone laughed. Poor little thing, she felt embarrassed. Actually, talking of my granddaughter, I think I mentioned months ago, last year even, on one episode, that she had said to me, you must have been so bored, Grandad, you know, when you were a child. You had nothing to do, no computer, no iPad. Do you remember that? I do vaguely, which is amazing because my memory is awful. I've no idea which episode it was. But she mentioned that again recently. She's been listening to some of the podcasts. And she said again, I know what you've said about childhood, blah, blah, blah. But it must have been boring without the computer, the iPhone, the iPad, the, all the tablets and whatever. And she said, no, Alexa. Now, it must have been pretty boring, she reckons. And I explained again that what you haven't had, you don't miss. I said to her, imagine now, imagine in the future, say 10 years time, there's going to be some new device, not an iPhone or an iPad, some new device that does amazingly wonderful things. And she said, well, what could it be? I said, I don't know. We don't know that. But something amazing. And I said, at the moment, you haven't got that. Do you miss it? She sort of frowned and she said, well, no, because I haven't got it. I haven't seen it. How can I miss it? Exactly. How could you miss something you haven't had? And the penny then dropped, you know, it clicked. And she said, oh, I see what you mean. Yes. And there will be things, won't there, in the future. 
I've often said to my son, you know, we chat about computers and technology, and I've said to him, imagine in not 20 years' time, just 10 years' time, even five years' time, how technology is growing and growing. What's going to happen? Will there be a keyboard? Will you speak to the computer? Will you have a keyboard at all? I mean, there are programs, aren't there, where you can speak to the computer and it'll put the text up on the screen, but it gets it all wrong. It gets the wrong words. It doesn't understand you. But of course, this technology is improving all the time. So I just can't imagine what it's going to be like in years to come. Especially, well, forget a million years, especially, say, 50 years. A lot of you people listening to this, a lot of the youngsters, you're going to be here in 50 years' time. I won't be. But 50 years from now, all that we've got, our TVs, our computers, our, our tablets, iPhone, it'll all be old antique stuff. People will look at photographs then and they'll say, good grief, did you really get, you had to use that? All that old-fashioned stuff. How on earth did you get on with all that rubbish? Won't they? That's what they'll be saying. Another thing that people often say is about the rat race of today. It was so much quieter back in the 50s. And, well, back in any time before the 50s, there wasn't the rat race, the so-called rat race. And people have said to me, is that true? I think it is true. You know, you can sometimes get a false sense of recollection. Oh, you know, the summers are always better. The winters always had proper snow. Whereas these days it's all merged into one season almost. It gets a bit hotter, oh, that's summer. A bit cooler, that's winter. I do think things were quieter then. There wasn't the panic. There wasn't the rat race then. These days, everyone's looking at the clock all the time. What's the time? What's the time? I've got to do this. I've got to do that. We've got online calendars, haven't we now? And they beep at you and they tell you, you know, warning, warning, <laughs> you've got to do this. Warning, you've got to do that. And these Fitbit things, have you got one of them? I have one. I can't get on with it. I'd sit down and have my lunch and it would say, get up. You're lazing around. Get up and go and do some exercise. Hang on a minute. I've just only just this minute sat down and I'm having my lunch. I couldn't get on with the thing in the end. I put it in the drawer. It's, I think it's it makes noises in the drawer. I, one day the battery will run out. I don't know what it does, but it makes noises in the drawer. Things were more relaxed back then. Cars didn't go as fast. They didn't have the top speed. They didn't have the acceleration. There weren't so many cars, so there wasn't road rage like there is now. There wasn't the, the panic, oh, we've got to, we've got to drive to so-and-so tomorrow. Oh, we'll have to leave early. The traffic's probably a nightmare. There'll be roadworks. There'll be problems. You didn't have that back then. You know, you'd say, oh, we're going to drive to Brighton tomorrow or Chichester or wherever. All right, you broke down. You might have to allow, what if the car breaks down? Because they often did in the old days. But you didn't have to allow for huge traffic jams and roadworks all over. They're digging up everywhere in our town. I don't think there's one road they haven't dug holes in. So yes, it was more relaxed. And the TV, as I've said in the past, TV was, they didn't shout. The adverts didn't shout at you. The children's programmes, as I've said, wooden tops. If you're abroad like Australia, America, you may not have heard of the flower pot men and the wooden top. No, the flower pot men, I know there was a band, but the, the, um, the puppet things. You can still watch the wooden tops <laughs> on YouTube. And I do. And the flower pot men. I mean, the grandchildren, when they come round, they can't come in. They have to sit in the car. and We just talk from the driveway to them because of the distancing and things. 
But I've shown them the wooden tops in the past. I've said, yeah, look at this. And they sit there. And initially they were laughing. You know, they sort of, what's this rubbish? What's all this nonsense? But after a while, they got into it. And in fact, when the, um, when the girls were young, quite young, on the iPad, they were watching every episode of Bill and Ben. Terrific stuff. There's no shouting there. I mean, it might, if you haven't seen Bill and Ben before, you might think weeds a little bit strange. And the way Bill and Ben speak, oh, I mustn't do that. I'll get sectioned. But great fun. So yes, everything was more relaxed. If the phone, well, a lot of people didn't have phones, but if the phone rang, it wasn't someone saying, hey, are you having a nice day? How was your day? What do you mean am I having a nice day? I was till you rang. What do you want? I just say that to these people. What do you want? And they go on about, uh, oh, I'm so-and-so from whatever company. I'm just so I've never heard of you. <laughs> I do sometimes string them along, which is a bit naughty, I know. But some of them, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, look, we can set you up with this or go to, that's one of them, isn't it? Have you got a computer? Yes. Right, can you go to your computer now? Sit there. Now, on the keyboard, type in blah, blah, blah. And all it is, they're going to install a program that allows them access to your computer and, of course, then your banking and PayPal and everything else. And I do string them along. I say, yeah, I've done that. I say, OK, right, now, what can you see on the screen? And I tell them, right, now type in this, type in that. And I carry on. I say, yes, yes, I've typed that. Yeah, I can, I can now see this and see that. I know when to stop. I do type it in. I know when to stop. So the programme, you know, I don't actually allow access. And then I just say at the end, oh, actually, this is boring. I'll see you by <laughs> hang up. <laughs> it must really wind them up because uh, also you have to be very slow. You know, when they say type in so-and-so, right, what was that? Hang on, let me just type that in. What did you say? I have, I'll just write that down. And of course, they get fed up. I have had them hang up because they're thinking, oh, I can't deal with this idiot anymore. <laughs> I don't know whether we had people knocking on doors in the old days. How do you get people now? Don't you? Your roof needs doing. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. You have to be careful. Some of them are a little bit intimidating. I just say, the house is rented. That, that gets rid of them. You know, oh, you want your driveway done? Your roof needs doing. We can do your windows. I just say, oh, I wish you would, but the place is rented. Landlord's not interested. He lives abroad. Oh, OK, they say, I walk off. That's the best thing. Just tell them the place is rented and they disappear. Some of them will say, are you in touch with the landlord? No, joking, he doesn't care. <laughs> I was watching a 1950s black and white film the other day and the road signs brought back memories. Instead of stop, you know, a stop sign, it said halt. Do you remember that? And where there's a level crossing, you know, for the railway to go across, it would say there, halt. And there's a picture of crossing gates. Brilliant. And keep left signs everywhere. I don't know why you'd think that people living in this country would know that we drive on the left. You're a driver. You live in this country. You keep on the left-hand side of the road. But everywhere, they had keep left signs. I don't know why that was. I think these days, oh, back then, what I was going to say was, road signs were minimal. They, they just have keep left halt, <laughs> uh, possibly no right turn or junction ahead or something. And that was about it. That was it. These days, I think they mentioned this on the radio or telly some years ago, there are too many road signs now. And it's not that people are confused by them, but it's too much information. It's more information than you need. 
oh, there are so many signs that you can't take it all in. You know, you're whizzing along. You've got one sign flashing by. There goes one, another one, another one, another one. You go, what does that say? There's so many to read. You can't do it. And they're unnecessary. And I don't know what people abroad think when they come to the UK and drive on our roads. The white lines, these men that paint the white lines on the roads, I think they've gone mad. There are white lines everywhere. There's like the crosshatch things and lines here, lines there. I don't know what half of them mean. And I've been driving for decades. I'll say to my wife as we're driving, oh, what's that mean there? You get a line just out from the curb with a sort of crosshatch bit in it. And she'll say, well, you don't drive in that bit. Well, I wouldn't drive that bit. Anyway, that's the gutter. That's where all the rubbish, all the nails and screws are. And then we have bits that jut out. You know, you're bombing along the road, doing the proper speed, and suddenly there's a bollard in the in the road. It's jutted out about a yard. And that's all it takes. Well, sorry, it's a metre these days, isn't it? Get it right. Jutted out about a metre. And if you're not careful, you hit the damn thing. Because <laughs> there's no sign that any minute now the pavement is going to leap out of you by about a metre or more. Apparently... It's to slow the traffic. Well, I don't think it slows the traffic. It just annoys people and makes people, as I did recently, I hit a curb, punctured the front near side tyre. There's no spare wheel in the car. Why don't cars have spare wheels? Anyway, we had to, we managed to limp home on this flat tyre, which ruined the tyre, of course. Limped home, phoned some chap. It was a Sunday. Oh, I'll pop out and do that. He said, £112. What? The tyre was about 60. The rest of it, I suppose he had to come out on a Sunday, fair enough. But all that was because some idiot had built the pavement out into the road by about a yard, sorry, a metre, without telling anyone. They should have a sign, you know, warning, idiotic pavement sticking out into the road. Another thing I've never understood. You're driving along, it's a 30 mile an hour limit. It says 30, okay. There's a little side road, and you turn into that, it might be a country lane, and it's 60. The limit there is 60. What's the point? And some of the side roads, there's one in particular I know of near Haywards Heath. There's potholes everywhere. You, you couldn't do 20 down this road, let alone 60. I mean, that's mental, isn't it? That, that happens a lot in the UK. You're going along a pretty good road. I know another one, not far from here, 40 miles an hour, pretty good road, nice wide road, no problems. You can see ahead, it's straight, 40 miles an hour. There's a side road, 60. <laughs> and down there, it's a twisty country lane. What sort, of, what sort of idiot did that? I mean, someone somewhere sits at a desk, don't they? And they think, right, we'll make this bit 40. And down there, tell you what, we'll make it 60. And if any idiot decides to do 60, they'll roll his car over into a field. I'm sure, I don't know, I don't know who does this. I'm sure it's done by idiots. Well, it started raining now. They did say it would start raining several hours ago. Uh, and the gale force winds haven't turned up yet. I don't like the wind. I don't care if it rains, if it snows, if it freezes, or if there's a heat wave. I don't like the wind. I don't think anyone likes the wind. Animals don't like the wind. So this morning I put out, well, we checked the garden. My wife and I are both out there checking the garden ready for the gale force winds, which I don't think will turn up. I fed the squirrels. I put hedgehog food out. I haven't seen any hedgehogs this year, but I put the food out for them. Trouble is, you've got to be careful because the seagulls eat the food. It's, uh, 
this can be a problem. You, know, you put food out for the squirrels, for example, the monkey nuts, and then I look out of the window and the pigeons are breaking open the monkey nuts and having them for breakfast. So whatever I put out for one animal, some other, <laughs> some other animal eats it. So it, it is difficult. But as I said before about rabbits, it is therapeutic. If you are on your own, if you're living alone, and especially in lockdown, if you're elderly, you don't want to get rabbits because you've got to clean them out. They are quite hard work. Tortoises can be boring. Bless them. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, something, I suppose a dog you've got to take for a walk. A cat, uh, the best thing is a cat, isn't it? Because they're very loving and they'll come and sit on your lap and purr and stuff. And basically all you've got to do is feed them. Mind you, they do poo all over the garden. But I think a cat can be really good company. Watching a fish in a tank, that's never appealed to me, fish in tanks. I don't know. It's quite interesting if you go to somewhere like a dentist's surgery or doctor's surgery, and in the waiting room they've got tropical fish. They are a bit boring. People say they're therapeutic, but I can't sit there and watch that. That's boring. Things were a lot quieter back in those days. It's not just my imagination or some false memory. Going to school, uh, primary school, we would walk to school. You didn't get a lift in the car. There wasn't all the traffic on the roads. You'd walk to school. When you go to the big school, as it was called, you'd either walk or go on the bike or possibly get the bus. You'd get on the bus to school. I remember walking. Our school was, what, oh, over a mile away, probably two miles. Two miles there, two miles back. Didn't think anything of walking, summer or winter. Rain, shine, didn't matter. We just walked to school and back. These days, you go anywhere near a school at, what, sort of quarter to nine, half eight, quarter to nine in the morning. It's jam-packed with cars. There's cars parked illegally all over the place. I don't know why they all have to take their kids to school. I don't know. Things have changed, I suppose. Kids aren't safe these days. This is something else that cropped up in conversation a little while ago. When we walked to school, we were quite safe. Uh, you're not going to get snatched off the street or anything. I suppose it did happen back then, but nothing like these days. It's awful, isn't it? But the traffic back then was nothing like it. It was calm. People had bicycles. You know, you'd see women go off on their bike, the basket on the front, they'd go off to the shops, do their shopping on the bicycle. You can't do that now. Why can't you do shopping on a bicycle? I don't know. Because there's so much. <laughs> there's so much of it. By the time you bought your grated cheese and your washed and diced carrots. <laughs> no, I shouldn't joke. It is convenient. This is the thing, isn't it? It's convenient. You've got your convenience stores on the corner of the road. So you can pop down there for milk. Everything's convenience. You can buy all your stuff prepared because it's convenient. Nothing was convenient back in the old days. I'm going to be in trouble. I can feel it in my water. I said women on their bikes with a shopping basket on the front going shopping. Uh, men and women, everyone, people, persons, <laughs> human beings. You have to be so careful these days. No, I say that because when I was a child, women went shopping. Women did the housework. You know, women did the washing and ironing. It's not always easy for us oldens these days to kind of forget that whole, whatever you want to call it, from those days, dreadful thing or whatever, and and move on to, um, like some of the adverts now have been, they've had complaints, haven't they? Because you see a man, what was that advert? There was a chap sitting on a sofa. His wife was running around, I think, 
getting the dinner cooked, plus doing something with the children. And he's sitting on the sofa and they were saying, oh, this is wrong. It's not all down to the woman. Anyway, there we are. Let's, let's not go into that. So women or men on their bikes with a shopping basket on the front going shopping. OK, I shall end it here and I shall see you when next Sunday. Oh, next Wednesday, of course, for the midweek message. Thanks for listening. As always, it's been great. If you want to email me, as usual, raise rants at protonmail.com. Take care. Look after yourself during lockdown. It's all ending soon. Be positive. The summer's coming. We just had dreadful weather here. We've had rain and gale force winds, even lightning. We had a storm out in the channel just off the coast where I am here. But uh, the summer is coming. It's warming up slowly. Our tortoise is out of hibernation. Now, there's a good sign. The warmer weather must be coming. Take care. See you next week. Bye bye for now.